if we're going to get anywhere in the problem with our fragmentation and the disunity, the fragmentation of ourselves and our world and our lives, then we need first unity with Jesus. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of San Francisco's Sermon Podcast. This is a message from our worship service on Sunday mornings in downtown San Francisco. This podcast is a ministry of our church, and we're praying it's useful for you and for the kingdom, for the praise of His glory. Today's sermons from John 17, 11 to 23. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you gave me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave me. I guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, And these things I speak in the cosmos, so they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the cosmos has hated them because they are not of the cosmos, just as I am not of the cosmos. I do not ask you to take them out of the cosmos, that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the cosmos, just as I am not of the cosmos. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the cosmos, I send them into the cosmos. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so the cosmos may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so the cosmos may know you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to to God. God. We're still here in John 17. We'll be for a little bit. I've used this before, I uh, use this image of the cave of wonders, or um, maybe it's a little, sometimes I feel like that. This is one of those moments in this, this is, um, it's hard to, it's hard to portray just how strange a passage we're in. I, I've tried to hint at it, I've tried to get at it. We, we, at this moment, you see, there's no need, Christ has no need to pray aloud in, uh, for his own prayer. And so he has a very, he's being very, very intentional. And he is in a very sideways way, as he's communicating to his father, he's teaching, he's he's instructing, he's leading, he's he's opening his heart. And in this really amazing way, there's this um there's this um uh transcendence that we're witnesses to. And that's what we keep coming back to. There's something extraordinarily transcendent here in this text. It's like a, it's like we went out about, I don't know, 100 miles out to the sea, or maybe we went right off the where John is, uh, out there in Japan, and we went to the Marianas Trench, and we dropped, this is what this feels like. This is like the, one of the deepest points of the scripture, one of the deepest places in all the Bible. And we're, and we're 
we're going like 10 feet down <laughs> when there's when there's depths here that I, I don't even know if I'm wise enough to plumb to to uh, to uh, plumb. So let, let's let's um, in light of that, let's pray. We pray with me, Father. I, I find myself uh, needing you and wanting wanting craving hold the Holy Spirit, uh, not for my not just for me, but for all of us, so we can swim in these waters with joy, so we can know these depths with new clarity, so we can we can have joy in you. And and as we as we are witnesses, as as you drew us in as witnesses here to uh, this transcendent conversation, uh, we thank you for it. And we ask you to guide us through it. Remember the sins of the one who speaks, for there are many. And, uh, and, 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 and let us all hear from you. Father, we ask to see your son. In, we pray this for the, for the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah, okay. <laughs> I feel like I needed to get that out of the way. I'll tell you why I needed to do that. Um, because I want us to look today at unity. I wanted to look today at unity. I'm going to share my screen. And if I can, it says I can't. Uh, uh, Joyce, can you stop sharing your screen, please? And we'll and I'll and I'll should be able to share mine. I think. Thank you. And uh, let me, well, let me pull this up here. And here we are. Let me pull it up to the beginning. Come on, that's better. And that sh is this a full screen for you all now? Are we good? No, it is now good. Good, good. All right, good, good. Uh, what I wanted to look at was this question of unity. Now, I just, I just, uh, if you look at the bold text there, I went through these uh, these verses, this uh, these a dozen or so verses, eleven verses, and I um, and I uh, I highlighted all the the words that say one, and it's just a functionally you can see it. I, look, obviously, whatever's on Christ's mind in this transcendent conversation, it's unity. There's something. There's something in Christ's heart or something earnest or something beautiful being described here, unity, oneness. Now, the reason I ask for prayer is because in my flesh, in the sinful part of who I am, if you know me at all, I, I, I'm a misanthrope. <laughs> what is a misanthrope? It's somebody who just doesn't like other people at times. I, if there's something I have fleshly inside, my, my brokenness, is that I... I just don't really care about unity. I just, uh, I can, it's funny. I, I think a lot of people, it's very important to them, but I find, and maybe my narcissism, I don't know what it is, but, but I find I just don't, I'm not compelled by it. I just often kind of like, yeah, well, you know, uh, man's born to trouble. <laughs> where's, where's the, where's the real power or where's the real possibility even of unity. And there's something in me resists it. I kind of, I don't know. And I, and I want to fight it. Maybe it's because of just how, for the most part, man's human, the human, uh, the human desire, the human definition, the human attempt at unity, it just leaves me, I think that's what I tend to think of when I think of this. It's one of the reasons why I didn't want to preach or teach on this, is simply because eh, it doesn't hit me. And then, but it did, it did. Don't, don't despair. The Holy Spirit got to me in this, and as he does, and as I think if you're praying for me, it's an answer to your prayers. But uh, but I, I there's a um, but the human idea is just you know look uh, why 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 unity in the in the human sense in the purely human sense? Well, you know it's bad for business when there's strife. I mean unity is a good thing. It 
is something that, and we all have a generally positive attitude. Oh, we should all be united. And in fact, the rhetoric of politicians, often in the midst of a lot of division, is to accuse one another of not being unified or not or having a party spirit and, and, and valuing being a Democrat or a Republican over being an American or something like that. And I, and I think those human ideas about unity, this aspirational sentiment, usually unity, if it's being scripted in like kind of a, a script that is supposed to be expressive, unity is always in cursive and it always is a pretty word, for example. Why? Well, because there's this aspirational part of, of being human to want to want peace, unity, and togetherness. Now, I think there's a good reason for that. I think we were made for that, and that's part of what the yearning is, right? The yearning, the scratching at it. But um, I guess I'm, con I'm concerned about aspirational sentiment, because I don't see any power in that. And let, let, let's let's even back up uh, one of the reasons for my misanthropy. Let's just let's let's excavate that a little bit. And I can. The Worldwide Council of Churches was a creation. I think in the, in, it was the late '60s, and it's. Ta I, I think it's taken a lot of uh, it's taken a lot of momentum over the years. And I remember uh, as a young man uh, hearing about it, the Worldwide Church, and it was this confederation of of every church's desire, and it had a slogan: "One World, One Church." You know. And uh, we were witnesses of it. If you were a Christian, you watched it and, and you heard this rhetoric. And, uh, and it went nowhere. Uh, I, I, even as back, I was reading a commentary, you know, I was reading a, a, a systematic recently, and it was 1932 was when it was published. And the writer kept talking about how there was a, as this momentum and, and there was this excitement and this building desire, and it looked like there was a unity happening. In the in the in the in the Christian world, and uh, for example, and that was 1932. We know that hasn't we know that hasn't happened. But there seemed to be a, a, a desire for unity that would sacrifice truth, or or that would that would that would do what, that would put away any distinctives, or it just it seemed weird to me. And maybe that's a part of why I'm disaffected. Maybe you're disaffected. I don't know. Maybe you're just pessimistic. Maybe you're just a cynic. But uh, this, this search for man's unity usually in its best places happens through affinity, right? If we, if we have the same, if we're very similar, if we're homogenous, we can be more unified. It can happen through mission as we're pursuing a particular goal. Okay, we can be, that can bring us together. Another thing that can bring us together is a shared pool of experience, maybe a shared suffering. That is often a very powerful, a very powerful binding unity. Soldiers talk about that. Uh, who have been in war together, uh, or maybe uh, just shared values, a shared, uh, a shared, uh, shared set of uh, a deeply held moral uh, commitments, let's say. And then we, and and, uh, and and that's usually that's the best human program uh, is to use one of those strategies or some combination of them. And they're not. I'm not saying they're wicked or bad or evil or anything, but I think they're they're wrong. I don't think they work. And uh, I think that this text, that, that's exactly what this text means to tell us, believe it or not. So, uh, how we're, I, I, so how I, I want to preach, and I want to say as we're going to this text, to, to behold something amazing and new. <laughs> and why can we hope for unity in the church? Why can we hope for this oneness that Christ prays for? And how does it not become merely a, a pious fiction or, a, or a, an, an aspirational sentiment? 
Well, I think it begins by uh, by this first place, this first place we need to go, this first place we need to go. And that is we need a mediator. What am I talking about? We need somebody who can bring us together. Otherwise, it ain't going to happen. There has to be some other party. And, it's, you know, and we always are yearning for this. Uh, and one of the places we see it most clearly, the need for a mediator, is just in the Middle East, the Middle Eastern Middle East crisis. Often uh, we think or we imagine, and sometimes people from the West will be imported from other parts of the world, will come in to fix the problems of the locals. And what's that yearning for a mediator? What's that part of that yearning? It's a yearning for somebody who's objective, who stands outside, who, who is transcendent in a sense, whose perspective isn't, isn't affected by the parties in conflict. So we can move towards unity. You need a mediator. But it's funny. Uh, when we import mediators to other cultures and other places, it often doesn't work. And one of the reasons it doesn't work is because one of the things that we want in a mediator to unify us to people that we're not united to, let's say, or to, or to resolve a conflict, strife, is we want a mediator who really understands, who we trust, gets our situation. Let's say you're in a conflict with somebody else and there's this, there's this division. You want somebody to arbitrate. But the parties can only really get arbitrated between, right, by a mediator who is not only objective, but really gets them. Each party trusts the mediator, that they have their interests at heart. So I was thinking about it. We need a mediator for this. And somebody, something's got to come in from the outside. But something's not only needs to be objective to be a good mediator, it's also some someone or s someone needs to be... Um, know what it is, what the crisis is, let's say, or experienced it. So uh, what is the hope for a fragmented humanity? Uh, you know, it's funny, I was thinking about this. Let, let, let's, let's even push at it, because I've been talking about unity. There, we, we, we experience fragmentation constantly. They're constantly fragmented. If you think about it, we're not, we're, we're, we are not united with, uh, we are in a sense divided against ourselves, Internally, we don't we don't find unity. Uh, if we're divided against other people, you know, and there's a lack of unity, uh, we're divided against the world, against this cosmos, against the natural order. There's no unity there, and finally, uh, there's no unity with our God. And this 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 is the scope of the fragmentation that we're experiencing. And people are dying in their loneliness and fear and isolation because what's the possibilities of unity? And then, of course, they go back on the old strategies, affinity, mission, back, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It works for a season, maybe, for a time, but it doesn't seem to last. But we need that mediator. Who, who's a big enough mediator to stand between us and God, or us even in ourselves internally, or us in this world? Mm, what? We need a mediator. And some of you already suspect what I'm talking about. So uh, it's, uh, what, what I'm getting to. So what is this oneness and the foundation and the desire for this oneness together begins in our oneness with Jesus? Yes, our one, it's, it's all over this text. I, he is in us. We, we have been looking at this, uh, this text is where Christ, this is Christ is uh, praying here in John 17, but for several chapters, he's been teaching as well. And again and again, he keeps returning to being united with him, in him. He uses this preposition, in, and 
into and and this desire this this combination we, we've been it's, it has been everywhere present in Christ's teaching and so and I think if we're going to get anywhere in this in the problem with our fragmentation and our in the disunity the the, the, the fragmentation of ourselves and our world and our lives then we we need first unity with Jesus unity unity the possibility I, I want to I want to invite you into it, right? I mean, I want to pre, I want to, this, this makes sense. And this is what turned my heart from the misanthropic kind of perspective into, into something that make, that start to make sense of unity because it, our hope is in unity, right? And it begins with our unity with Jesus. What does this mean? What does this mean? If you put your faith in Christ, or if you choose to, if you make a decision for Jesus and invite him in, if you choose a personal relationship, or if you have one, then you were united with Christ. That means when he was on the cross, you were on the cross too. When he was scourged or beaten or rejected or hated or mocked or suffered, so did you. But when he died, so did you. And then the, the marvelous thing being that he was a God-man, he could not stay dead He when he rose from the dead. So did you. You see, uh, the, the internal operative principle that makes the cross work effectively today, 2,000 years later, is that it is, um, it is, uh, it is union. It's, it is direct connection with uh, of us in Christ. It's this weaving together, this, this complete connection. That's the operative principle of all of our hope. I would call this a functional unity. And I, I invite you, one of my purposes is to invite you into unity, and unity for the earth, unity for our culture, unity for our families, unity for ourselves, and unity with God. Union with God, some oneness, is predicated or can only be exist or can only have hope in union with Jesus. Oh, and this is free. Look, this is just given by belief. Oh, I pray that you will, you will grab it and you'll know it. But this functional unity, is, it gets even better. I, I, I couldn't believe this as I was looking at it. I hope you can see it too. Um, oh, here it is, uh, Christ talking about it. You know, this is the Eve, as I uh, the highlighted in red here, and for their sake I consecrate myself, and he asks us to believe in him. Uh, I, the reason I, I highlight those is because this prayer is happening just mere hours, mere hours, before our unity with him will buy us eternal life and forgiveness of sin, will transform us, make us into a new people. And he's consecrating himself right here. He's, he, is in, he is in place to establish the hope of the oneness for which he prays. Isn't that wonderful? But there's something even deeper. You know, remember, we're in deep waters, right? Because this functional unity that brings us salvation and rescue and new life when we ask for it, hmm, it's built on something else, something even greater than that. There is something greater than your union with Christ, and that is Christ's union with his Father, and the Father and the Holy Spirit and Christ's union together. That union, that's, it's kind of interesting. So this kind of, and not just interesting, fascinating to me that our hope for unity, our hope to be unified together or personally or with our God, finds its hope, finds its paradigmatic focus, finds its, finds its antecedent, finds its precedent in what? In an eternal unity, in a unity, flawless blessedness, and full of glory forever. World without end, praise him. The grounds of our unity and the hope of our unity is what? God's personal character. 
uh, he, he talks about this here, uh, I and you, and that they may be in us. You see this in the, in, in the we are, uh, even as we are. You see the red there? Look at that strange language that the Trinity uses. You know, there's very few references where the Trinity talks to itself like this. We are one. Uh, even as we are, I and you, and they also may be in us. There is a transcendent oneness that God has in himself that we are invited into the mystery of by faith in Christ. How I, that is what I'm praying and pleading for. That is what I preach for. That is what I ask for. That's what I, you're invited into today. Go find a place today to invite Christ in. Now, so what should we do with all this unity? What should we do if this is true? If, if we have this eternal God who is united, and then we're united to Christ in his death and resurrection, we're transformed, then uh, what are we going to do with this? Where, where, where should we go this? Where should we go next with this? Uh, well, we need to learn how uh, we need. Oh, and here's a here's a great verse that kind of describes this transcendence. We need to stand in what we've got. That's one of the first things we need to do. In other words, uh, it's not about creating a unified church, let's say, or or looking for unity in the church, or 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 like, no, 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 no. In fact, uh, I think that more earnestly we seek for unity as a thing, the more it recedes from us. Because it's 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 a benefit, it's a blessing, it's an overflow, it's a, it's a, it's new identity taking shape. It's not something we really build or create. Now we do, we do, but it's not it, 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 at at fir first. Our first way to understand it, our first our way to grow in unity is to begin here. Unity has been bought and is owned because of an eternal love. Oh my goodness! All right, look 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 at the greatness of Christ here. As a plan for the fullness of time, what to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. Ah, this is Christ. And so and one of the things we're supposed to move into is this unity. We earlier in our scripture, early in our worship, look at look at the uh, look at the call to worship from Psalm 133. This language may have been a little odd to you when he talks about unity amongst the people, but he says it is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes. What? Well, this is written by David, which it is. Uh, that's some five, 600 years after Aaron. Aaron's, Aaron's in the grave here. Well, what's the point? Why, why is Aaron the uh, image of unity? Well, it's because Aaron is the high priest who would sacrifice the lambs. Because you see, hope for unity exists in the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. And that is a, that's a picture of it right there. That's it right there. That's why David is, uh, is using the picture of the consecration of Aaron as a picture of the hope of our unity because it's bought by blood. Yeah, bought by the blood of the lamb himself, Jesus. It has an objectivity to it. We have to, in a sense, claim it. Now, uh, so we need this mediator to come and uh, to have oneness. And Let's take a look at how do we have it. We have it. We have it in two ways. Uh, first, first ways I want to see is how it's God's work. It's a work of God's keeping and guarding. This guarding and keeping idea here that they may be one. You see the uh, consequent, uh, the uh, the cause and effect. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you gave me, that they may be one. Right? That's the first. That's the first work. The uh, first aspect of God's work. And the second thing that creates unity is look down in verse twenty-two. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is God's work of keeping 
And the, the idea of keeping is that guarding, preserving love. That, that, that this is God's work to preserve. The second way it's God's work, it's the it's the overflow of his glory. It's how he, he intends to get glory. All right, those are two ways in which it is God's work. Then let's take a look at why, how, what God's purposes are in it. They're right here in the text. They, they, they both exist at the end of the prayer there. And, and in verse 21, you'll see, so the cosmos may believe that what you sent me. So there's, there's actually two purposes he states here. One is the sending. And the next is, and so the cosmos may know that you sent me in verse 23, the second time it said, and love them. So what, what, what is the, uh, what is the, uh, the, 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 there's a point, there's a purpose. God, this is God's work, but it has an intention. It has, a, has an outcome that he, is, he desires to see. And the first is to guard us and keep us. A guarding and keeping us creates it. And then, uh, and, and I'm sorry, talking about the work, not the purpose. The work is his guarding and keeping creates it and his glory creates it. And then his purpose is to what? Is to, uh, to so as a witness, as a proof of sending and loving. Mm. Mm. Uh, what do we do with this? Um, well, let's, let's start right now. Let's start. Father, make us united. Make us one, even as you are one. In Jesus' name, amen. I just did it. I'm, I, I don't, that wasn't, that wasn't a, that wasn't uh uh, that wasn't just practice or something. I just called out to the God of the God who is, who's one. And I called out for oneness and the son here calls out for oneness. And if the son, if God, the son has to call out for oneness uh, for us, how much more should we be? I was thinking about it. I wrote it. I was writing down in my, my little, my little prayer notebook here. And I was, and I was, and I was realizing how are we? Why are we praying weekly for unity if Christ is praying for it? It just kind of hit me that there's something that's missing that we're not making this and believing it's His work, so it becomes this wonderful focus of our prayer life and our hope and our claim on Him. And then, second, uh, the second thing I want us to see is to realize that unity has this. The second thing that this kind of teaches us about God when God's work and purpose is that unity has. Um, uh, it has a, a flow. It has a workflow, right? It, 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 the workflow comes from God through Jesus to you. And then to you, once you have it, to others. That's the only way the workflow works. It has to go into you to come out in your marriage, to come out in your family or your work or in your community group. And so, it, it, and so it, just imagine this. Uh, it, it kind of makes sense, right? If you're not one with God, if you're not experiencing that oneness and that unity uh, uh, heavenward, how are you going to experience it earthward? Uh, 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 if you can't experience it vertically, how are you experiencing it horizontally? It doesn't make any sense. And that sort of disconnect between the vertical and the horizontal is one of the deep flaws in a lot of our faith, right? We, we permit this distance and we can't permit it. And, or, or, we, or we try to reverse the, uh, the, uh, the flow here and the workflow and it just doesn't work. And we're and we're befuddled, we're confused, and we're frustrated. So we need to have this mediator, and we need to trust that mediator today. And I and and the subjective work of God and his subjective purpose is to prove something. And we need to, in a sense, I'm I'm really describing us claiming it, right? A claiming it, and in that sense, it's something we live into, as it were. Uh, but uh, so. So should we just wait around? Maybe we, if we prayed for it, will that be enough? No, not at all. Not at all. Because having prayed for it, 
We need God to do it. Uh, take a look here in verse 23. Don't miss these tenses, and especially this uh, when it says, when the scriptures, when our Savior says things like this, that they may become perfectly one. Okay, this is a hint. Uh, I read somewhere recently, I don't know who said it, I'm trying to remember who said it, but it really struck me. Um, you know, Jesus became the mediator between God and man on his death of the cross one day at a time. <laughs> In other words, he had to go through process. So do you. And he became our perfect mediator. He did. He became that. We are becoming. And there's a way that uh, our oneness can become more. We are on track for this if, we, if we're on track in worship. And, and I'm hope calling us to be on track to this together, uh, of, of becoming more one. In other words, we're, we're engaged in a, in a process of, of something happening and increasing. This word perfectly is this idea of completion. It's this telos word. It's, it's based on the word telos, if you know that word. It has to do with reaching our end, reaching our end goal. Oh, this is something kind of sweet in here. So it's, it's active engagement. The scriptures are very blunt about this. We did this when we, when we did the call to worship. Look at the language here. Why do we, from our opening uh, words, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we got stuff to do. Remember the workflow, we're standing in what we believe now, we're trusting in it, we're claiming it, and now we're going to start moving into it. How are we going to move into it? Well, I think there's two ways, two courses of action that need to be operative in our lives. One's positive and one's negative. Let's talk about the negative first. What do we need to do? Well, no, let's talk about the positive first, sorry. Let's talk about the, oh no, I put the negative first. Okay, good. Let's talk about the negative first. Uh, we need to protect this unity. Eager to maintain the, 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 the bond of peace. Eager, eager. Are you eager? <laughs> uh, let's take a look at these, these texts. Uh, what, what's one of the ways we, we need to protect this unity? Well, don't betray it by neglecting to meet together. Look at this in Hebrews. Do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. You know, it's funny. This is written 2,000 years ago. Apparently, the pattern of poor church attendance is an ancient problem. <laughs> so, and, and, and so your problem with that and my problem and all of our problem with it, it, it goes back to the New Testament. And here's the command. Don't neglect. Social distancing uh, is what we're experiencing right here, but there's a sinful distancing. Have you heard of sinful distancing? It's the way so many of us keep everybody at arm's length. Stay right there. Don't get involved. Call occasionally. What is that? It's this resistance to, to intimacy, resistance to worship as a part of the pattern of life. And the Lord condemns it because it destroys unity. There's no, there's no unity. And if it makes sense, because if we're in worship together, we're in worship of the one God and at the cross and we're coming to Calvary, of course we're united. It just, it's a blend. It just makes sense, you see. And so uh, are you distancing? Are you find yourself kind of finding every excuse you can to be removed uh, and giving into that misanthropy perhaps you have? I don't know. Uh, I know I have. Let's take a look here in Proverbs 16, 28 with the next obstacle, the next danger we have to worry about. And so there's sinful distancing, but there's also gossip. And uh, a gossip separates close friends. What's one of the great uh, enemies of unity in the church? 
is gossip. It's it's bringing the bad report. And I, I'm praying and I'm hoping, and we need to be vigilant against a small church is as vulnerable to gossip as a large one. And, and that is where we bring bad reports. And what is what is gossip? It's telling other people about somebody else's sin. It's the opposite of gospel. Gossip is sin. Gospel is telling other people about the righteousness of Jesus. <laughs> gossip is telling other people about the unrighteousness of your neighbor that you saw or heard of. That should have no place amongst us. And this separates close friends. You better believe it. Some of the best friends I've ever had I've lost because of the evil of a gossip. Very sad. It threatened, it'll always, it's always sitting there to threaten our, our church. It really is. It's there. Finally, James 4, 1 through 3, what causes quarrels? What causes fights against you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot, you hear it. Coveting. Coveting. Uh, Spending on your selfish passions. This is just the root of all sin, right? But coveting has this unique power. We envy other people's leadership, or we envy their gifts, or, or the way you know the way the pastor gets along with that person, or the way that person always always seems to be in leadership. And why envy? Why do they get? Why do they do this? Why do, envy? Ooh, what an awful monster! And of course, what is envy but a rejection of God's work that He He is not? I'm not content with what you have done because I am not don't have what my brother has or my sister. But it's one of the most destructive forces for unity, right? So let's let's put off this. Let's protect this unity. And let's now let's now take our role in it. What's our role? Uh practicing presence. Do you practice presence with others? And I'm not saying you have to even be with them. We obviously we can't, but we have Zoom, we have phones. But presence is more deep than that. A practicing presence is where people really know you. Do people really know you? Or all, all they know is a facade you presented. Because if we authentically know each other, even our failures, even our sins, and our victories, and our needs, and our wants, and our we become united. We become united. There's a, there's a beautiful, and, and, and honestly, a lot of this is just showing up and asking, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? What are you being tempted by? It's earnest, sincere questions about people's real condition and, 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 and an openness about your own. <laughs> Let us practice the presence. Um, second, you need to be aware that you have a role in this. In other words, this whole work of unity, you, you, you have a role to play in it. You have a role to maintain the bond of peace. You know, God is not merely ordained that, he, that we shall be united, but he's ordained the way we get there. What are the steps to get to being more united and experiencing who God is in our union and experiencing our unity with Christ together? Mm, mm. Well, are you aware that you have a role to play in this? Are you aware that, that you should be eager to maintain unity in the bond of peace with me or I should with you? Are you aware that, that we all have, we, we all, each one of us, uh, it, for unity to be a real thing, experience this. Finally, uh, let's look at uh, the final thing that I want us to encourage us with that will build unity and the possibility of it is this, constant forgiveness. Constant repetitive attitudes of forgiveness and not holding on to grudges. You know, I... Uh, 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 you know, it's funny. Uh, we know what this is. I, I would call this unity grease. This is oneness oil. 
This is, this is how you and I and all of us together and our marriages and our families and our communities and our community groups and our leadership can get together. What does oil do in an engine? It takes a lot of metal that's rubbing together. And what is, happens when you rub metal together? You get heat, you get friction, you get destruction. It takes all that metal and it makes it all able to slide against each other. Honestly, I think forgiveness is that tonic, forgiveness and worship. But uh, it, it, living in a habit, habitual forgiveness for one another. I can you take this a step further. Um, I challenge the, if the church has hurt you, uh, um, I call you to love the church anyway. What is that? Seeking unity even when you've been hurt. How do you do that? Pray for those who hurt you. Pray for their blessing. Pray for those who abandon you, just write you off or don't care. Pray for their blessing. And you know you'll experience? Forgiveness. And you will begin to taste. You will begin to enter. You will begin to know unity, oneness. Real oneness. It's, it's incredible. And I think these things together are just the beginnings, just the beginnings of how we can hope to maintain the unity and the bond of peace. You know, as I kind of uh, come back to this, uh, a lot of you know I love games. I'm really enjoying games a lot. My, I love my board games. Actually, I think you can see some over there. And, and, uh, and so, but one of the most popular board games in the last couple of years have been uh, cooperative games. I don't know if you're familiar with these or not, but they're a completely different kind of branding of game. Usually games have a winner and a loser and you compete. And and then uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, But the cooperative game concept is that we all together sharing responsibilities and goals can win together. And uh, not, not being cheesy. Sometimes these cooperative games are extraordinarily difficult and they require all sorts of resourcefulness uh, and strategies for using the different gifts to achieve a goal and working together. And it creates a wonderful picture, doesn't it? Of just what I'm talking about and just what I'm hoping for. Mm. So as I was thinking about this, we need the mediator. It's kind of coming back to my misanthropic kind of personality. And uh, we need to be recreated into people who even want and eagerly maintain and search and seek for and ask for unity, right? We need to even be that person. And that only happens through Jesus. But what will happen? What will happen? Well, you know, it's funny. What do we have after we have Jesus? We have affinity. What do we have after we have Jesus? We have unity of mission. What do we have if we have Christ? We have shared experiences and values. And in fact, all those many strategies that the world is using to paste together uh, their fragmentation and and the inability to be unified or one, all those strategies that they can't, they work for us because of where we're standing, you see. They come back with new power and new joy. And, and, and now standing in Christ, united to him, we can be united to each other with great hope. We can stand in it and live in it and then seek it and increase it and ask for it and taste it. <sighs> Let's pray. Dearest Father, how we pray for unity, oneness, to be one even as you are one. Father, let your works and your and your and your purposes be at, be alive now in us. We have heard from your word. We, we see it here in the word. Let your works, keeping and guarding and sharing your glory with us, 
create oneness like you have. Oh, Father, we pray for anybody today who hasn't fully put their trust in Jesus, hasn't trusted in Christ, and isn't one with him. We pray they would know how to give their lives to you and ask you in to their lives and to be one with you. We pray for that oneness to, to increase and multiply around us to the people we love. Yes, Father, that's what we want. But we ask for an increase in the oneness we experience together. Father, we're going to pray very practically here. Teach us how to pray for this. Teach us how to teach us this value and direct it to us. Teach us how to pray for it. Uh, Father, then uh, uh, teach us how to, uh, to follow the workflow coming from you towards unity. And uh, knowing it's what you have built and established is not our hope, it's your hope and power in us. Then, Father, we ask for this, don't let us betray it. Uh, help us with tongue control when it comes to gossip. And help us, Father, with, with distancing, sinful distancing, and, and help us to practice presence together that is living and beautiful and gives you glory. Father, uh, I, I, we pray for this kind of work in us and, and a work of uh, constant forgiveness and a, and a, and a work and a work of um, an awareness of our role. And then, then, then I'm hoping... Father, I guess what I really want to ask you to do, what we're asking you to do, is come and prove to San Francisco who you are and what you're like, and do it through us. Do, through, do it through what you make us. Do it through what the work that you put in us. Do it through our mouths and hands and heart. And so that we can be a proof, a proof to this generation, to this world, to this city, to anybody who would listen, anybody who would watch. Anybody would know what is this community. Let us be a proof to them that you are real, you are living, and that you are God. Mm. We pray for this in the glorious name of Jesus. We pray for this joining him in his prayer. We pray for this hardly even understanding what we're asking for, but we pray for it in Jesus. Amen. Let's now continue in our communion. No, we're not doing communion now. Um, we're doing, uh, we're, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're, we, we have felt so far that, that communion is not appropriate because we're not enfleshed together. And, uh, but the longer this goes on, and I've been talking to other pastors and, that I'm accountable to, and uh, we're all wrestling with, well, what does it look like? And, and uh, so be praying for us and be praying for me as, I th as we think, leaders, as we think about this, because we, uh, we do need to keep operating as a, as a community of faith. Let's proclaim, though, that even though we are not going to the table, let us proclaim together the mystery of faith and then uh, the Apostles' Creed. Let us proclaim together the mystery of our faith, brothers and sisters. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise him. Uh, tell me, uh, believer, dear, 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 dear brother and sister in Christ, guests who are on the phone call or in the zone in the Zoom, uh, what do you believe? And I guess I'm leading this. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. For further information, please feel free to check us out at firstpresbyteriansf.org or come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1015. We meet at 110 Embarcadero, just a block away from the Ferry Building, and we can't wait to see you.